0: Welcome everybody to another great episode of soul searching the soul recruitment podcast and I've got a very very special guest in the house today a lovely gentleman by the name of Jamin Fraser and who is Jamin you might ask Jamin is an author TEDx speaker and coach he's the founder of the insecurity project and specializes in helping people eradicate insecurity so, they can show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear, and self limiting beliefs. He is widely recognized as one of Australia's leading life coaches and one of the leading voices globally in dealing with personal insecurity. Jamin is the author of Elegantly Simple Solutions to Complex People Problems and the voice behind the popular One Minute Coach radio segment, heard by over 750,000 listeners daily. Welcome, Jamin.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And I'm, good. I'm really excited about this podcast because I, I love going a little bit meta. I like to call it going meta when we kind of take away the, you know, the superficial stuff and take away the mm. focus on the actions and activities that we do day to day, but go more, dive more into the subconscious and into mm. the personal and, the, and who we are, who, what makes us up who we are. So this podcast is really, and this content is going to be really relevant. And I think it's going to be extremely relevant to anyone that is um, trying to do anything in their life. It doesn't have to be just about job seeking, about uh, recruiting, about employment. Anybody who's trying to achieve anything in their life has to really understand who they are. They have to practice self-awareness. They have to develop that consciousness. And, that's the only way to really make big changes in your life and I'm sure you're going to go through all that kind of stuff today. So uh, in particular we're going to be dealing with the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. But before we do that I thought let's throw it over to Jamin to tell us just a bit about who he is, what brought him to where where he is now and then we'll kind of dive into some more um, content. So over to you mate.
1: Okay, uh, so a, a quick bit of my backstory. So I grew up in a, a country farming town called Collector, a town of 150 people. Yep. Um, moved to the big smoke, the bustling metropolis of Goulburn, a town of 20,000 people when I got married uh, <laughs> 21 years ago. Great. Uh, so, yeah, and I've lived here my whole life. I'm currently overlooking green rolling hills. I, li- I live on the edge of town, 20 acres.
0: Ah, uh, very jealous.
1: My- so it's a, it's a nice lifestyle. and um, my So my first working job, I, I thought I was going to join the army when I finished school, uh, but I failed a drugs test. Um, wow. The last the last hoop to jump through to join the army, I was wow. bailed up for having marijuana in my system, which was interesting wow. because I'm straighty 180, I'd never been drunk, you know, I was just a good kid and I uh, had, a, had a mate's 18th birthday party straight after school finished. They gave me a plate of hash cookies to hoe down, and <laughs> I had no idea what I was eating and then um everyone else thought it was a great joke and then uh yeah got got done for drugs uh, a week talk, later. About, so that, talk
0: about bad timing you know once in your life
1: or or good timing All you good know time. because the forks in the road i mean i'm not quite sure how I would have survived in the army it's, it's very incongruent almost everything in my life that level of structure and yeah. discipline is not not aligned to me at all so maybe he saved my life with marijuana oh, there yeah. you go uh, Love it. <laughs> you it. um but yeah the forks in the road so um didn't go to, I, I went i enrolled to do landscape architecture at university and then didn't do that either deferred for a year and went fencing and shearing with my dad wow. uh, in that time I, I met my now wife first time i saw this woman I thought, my goodness, if ever I marry a woman, that's the one I want. <laughs> somehow, somehow convinced her that that was a good idea, right. very much punching above my weight. Uh, and just actually on that, because so, I love
0: this kind of thing. So where did you meet her for the first time? How did you come across her?
1: Oh, look, I, we, the church that I grew up in, we, had a, we were launching a, a Christian school, and so uh, the big fanfare of the opening, somehow she was invited to sing at the un- introduction. So she was a singer and I laid eyes on this performer singing and am like, oh, my goodness, what has just happened? Uh, so thought totally out of my league, thought she was older, more sophisticated, uh, clearly wasn't from Golden. And then somehow, through, again, through music, I was a drummer at the time, uh, through music, our paths crossed again and i got to play at an event together and oh, uh, there you go. got her phone number and the rest is history. Fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, yeah. And then, of course, change as well. I I had grown up in a church that was meaningful to me, but um, yeah, through a camp that I went to, felt like that there was a sense of calling and purpose about going into ministry. So I went, went to Bible college for two years and trained in ministry. Got given a role as the youth leader in my church and then not soon, not long after that, got given the role as senior leader in my church. So at 23, was, was running a church and a school and a daycare center. Uh, and, and six weeks into the job, discovered that the daycare center and school were actually trading insolvently. Yeah. And so it was a crash course in not only leadership, but business and uh, conflict and all kinds of interesting things so right um <laughs> as pastor you're invited into people's world all the time to have conversations about change about the stuff that's going on in people's world and that was always a great privilege but but i observed over the years that how, how ineffective those conversations about change often were and the tendency for christians was to outsource the change work to god a lot of the time so if I just have faith, if I believe, if I just trust, then God will magically somehow take care of the rest and I don't really need to do anything. So the idea of awareness and responsibility just seems so secular and and out of the scope of the Christian experience. And so um, I was a very frustrated pastor, I think, because it just seemed so ineffective as a way of being useful to people. Um, I got... uh, um, yeah exposed to the coaching skill set at a at a retreat that I'd offered for the church the guest speaker I brought in actually brought some coaching content and I was gobsmacked the moment I heard that I thought there is, that is a missing technology um, so straight away went and did some study signed up for a diploma in life coaching and um, three you know day two of my first three-day intensive just was so the strong such a strong sense of this is home for me that I rang my wife and told her I was going to quit my job. I was also working as a school chaplain at the time. Yep. I was going to quit that job and start a coaching business. And, and, you know, all pepped up on Juju beans from being in this coaching experience, thought I was going to change the world, make a million dollars. Wow. Um, yeah. My wife cried, you know, not happy tears. The, the other kind, like, what are you doing? you Crazy man. But I'm like, I've got this. This is, this is going to be great. Yep. Um, gave myself four weeks to make it work and make a brand new business work. Thanks. <laughs> <weeks.
0: laughs> it it's not like, a long time.
1: <laughs> a long time, not a long time. But I kind of felt like it wasn't a massive shift. It wasn't like I was going from being an accountant to being a life coach or being a car salesman to being a life coach. I, As pastor, I kind of was life coach in many ways. Yep. I just had some better tools and frameworks now. So I yep. thought it was just, it was realistic. Yep. Anyway. Um, Long story short, ended up developing a program for employment agencies as my first point of where I thought I could add value. And that led to an eventual business partnership and training a bunch of coaches to deliver that program around the country and some really interesting learning with some people who were very significantly stuck. And it was so cool cutting my teeth there because it was like, if this if these tools are actually worth their salt, they should work for people who are really disempowered, not people who are naturally successful.
0: Yeah. Actually, so, can I just jump in there? Because this podcast is so relevant to employment and recruitment. What, what exactly mm-hmm. did you um, coach you know, th- those agencies? Sure. So,
1: so at the time, they were stream four clients. I don't, think, I don't think employment agencies class them that way now, but they were the most stuck. So they're deemed to have the most non-vocational barriers to work. So sometimes mental health issues, sometimes they'd never been employed, sometimes they had anxiety and depression. There was a a bunch of really deep stuff in the way. And so these agencies realised that it probably wasn't about just sending the job interviews. They had to do some inner work first. That was probably what was getting in the way, their doubt and their fear and the story and past disappointments and failure. So so they gave me six weeks one-on-one with each of these people just to dive into that world with them and it was a lot of fun because I like in my model as we'll explore in a moment um, practice five is get help from someone who doesn't care about you so I discovered that practice when I started working with employment agencies because I realized that if I came in as the expert if I came in with an agenda everyone in their world had an agenda for them everyone wanted something for them or from them and the pressure um, was intense, and so I knew my only chance of being useful was to want nothing. And so I pushed that as hard as I could. I, I'd go in there consistently and say, "Hey, hey, look, um, I know I look like a guy who cares, and I sound like a guy who cares, but you can't confuse me for someone who gives a shit. Yep. Like, I'll you'll tell me sad stories. I won't cry. I won't lose any sleep over you. I'll forget about you when we're done. here yep. I'm not another person who wants you to do something you don't want to do. Uh, my life's fine. Like, I'm not the one with the problem." but you tell me what you want and I'll give you everything I've got, everything I've got to help you get more of that. But you've got to want it because me wanting it for you is useless. And then often they'd say, I don't even know what I want. And I'd say, bullshit. I do not believe you, not even for a moment. It's just hard. It's scary. Putting out there what you want just opens up the potential for doubt, you know, for failure and for rejection and for conflict. But You do know. So holding that space, really showing up to serve, it was extraordinary the kind of conversations i got to have with them and how quickly i watched some of them change and um
0: yeah very i'll never forget
1: that starting point because very it very interesting yeah um so then um i just continued to develop my coaching skillset to develop uh, my ability to be effective and useful for people trying to make lasting change and that whole time exploring the fact that while the pain was always on the level of behavior and emotions and thinking that that wasn't what was causing it the the deeper issues were always around beliefs and story and fear and so i kept building my own skill set about facilitating those kind of conversations and the more that i'd go down that path the more i'd discover that at the deepest level the fear were always personal and they were always uh, around insecurities the fear of not being good enough the fear of inadequacy the fear of something lacking or missing So I just knew that if I was really going to facilitate transformation in people, I had to find a way of navigating insecurity as a problem. And first in my own life, like I'm non-negotiable about smoking what I'm selling as a coach. I think the only way to be effective as a coach is to embody your message. No one really cares about what training you've done or what you know. It's like, is this working for you? Can I see this working for you? So out of the overflow of my own journey in overcoming insecurity and working out how to do that, And I think my my whole business offering has been around the the sharpest tools, frameworks, conversations for being able to solve insecurity, not just manage it so that people could show up at their best where it matters most. And then the Insecurity Project was born as a result, as the fruit of all that process about two years ago. Podcast, a couple of books, and uh, here we are today.
0: Fantastic. I mean, and it must be quite... Um, sensitive and difficult, even still, to have those conversations with people and really try and sell what you do, because people have this barrier. They don't want to cross that. They don't want to go deep. They don't want to cross that barrier.
1: Yeah, you know you, about that. You're right, and people are insecure about being insecure. In fact, yeah. my business coach, my business coach, two years ago when I announced that I was launching the Insecurity Project, that was the brand I wanted to go with. He's like. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what's plan B when that doesn't work? Cause that's a terrible business name. <laughs> you know, people are insecure about being insecure. No one's putting their hand up to do yep. those kind of conversations. They're not paying for those conversations. <laughs> exactly. Jamie, <I> promise. <laughs> and it goes against business, good business practice. You should be the security coach or the confidence coach or yep. the self esteem coach, not the insecurity yeah, coach. You can't show you know, weakness. You've got to show strength. No, that's right. And, and you've got to pitch the prize, not the problem. Yep. And it was interesting because that really knocked the wind out of my sails for a couple of days, but then I went away and heard myself say, Jamin, stop being such a little bitch. Like, it's, it doesn't matter if he doesn't see your vision. Um, what do you want? I'm like, I, I want to I speak to the elephant in the room. Yep. I, I think people suffer greatly for not knowing how to navigate insecurity. So I, I want to go straight to that point. I want to have a very clear message that says insecurity is just like any problem. It's, it can be solved. It has been solved. All you need to solve it is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. So you're going to be okay. And, and I think that, is, that has worked well for me just to go. People feel that from me. They feel that, uh, yes, this is a very vulnerable subject, but if they were ever going to talk about it with someone, well, may as well talk about it with the person who's devoted their whole life to thinking about that specific problem and can do it in a way without caring, can do it in a way without polluting the space by wanting them to be different or needing them to be different. I think when people feel that judgment-free space from me, they feel like I genuinely don't have a vested interest, yep. then, then they can come out of hiding and go, well, whether I should be insecure or shouldn't be insecure, that's irrelevant. I'm here and I'm, I want to face up to that. So uh, I think, yeah, it, it is still a rare thing for people to be willing, but when they are, then um then here i am yeah and and, and when
0: they are i can just imagine the results that you can achieve
1: my god well you're right it's 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 it is quite incredible it's it's amazing i think change takes a long time coming but it happens in a moment yep i think there's this readiness piece and when there's readiness yeah, it's extraordinary what can happen as a result of that
0: fantastic And and i kind of want to tie this into um recruitment and employment as well, but it is really relevant to everyone in their life. I mean, but in Mm. terms of recruiting and and job seeking and getting uh, promotions and managing people and all this kind of stuff, I mean, this is all very relevant because you're dealing with people's underlying psychology, beliefs, personality, you know, and if you can deal with those things, it's amazing what you can achieve.
1: I agree because to me, the the end result of solving insecurities, you get to show up to life unhindered. You get to be at your best where it matters most. So who knows where it matters most? You get to decide where it matters most, whatever you're trying to succeed at. It's getting a promotion, landing a job, um, succeeding in business, doing better at family, being more healthy. Well, that matters most to you. And so the stuff that's going to get in the way of that is your own storytelling and your insecurity. Definitely. If you were to remove that,
0: yeah, your own and, inner dialogue, yeah. which is what I like to call it, your inner dialogue. Yeah,
1: it is in dialogue for sure.
0: Yeah, yep. awesome. So, I mean, look, there's been over the last, you know, I don't know, five, ten years. There's been more and more talk of this kind of stuff, and we're dealing with more of these type of issues and um, concepts, and we're going deeper. Why do you think that is, and why? And obviously, we know why it's so important, but why all of a sudden has this started to rise to the surface?
1: I like to think about an evolving consciousness in the planet. I think we we solve increasingly complex problems and then that opens up the next problem. So I think we're at a a stage of life where we've solved a lot of other problems and so this problem comes to the surface because what we're capable of as a society, as a world, like technologically is extraordinary. Um, That is no longer the limiting factor. Definitely. Now the limiting factor is our ability to be the kind of people who can step into that success. Yeah. So therefore yeah. insecurity now is the lid. It's the thing getting that. in the way. So I think I that's why.
0: It. So true. I mean, you know, we've done all we, we needed to do. We've advanced in so many areas, but we've kind of um, suppressed that, this side of things, but now mm. we no longer can avoid it. We have to deal with it. We have to, we can't suppress yeah, it any longer. Exactly.
1: For the sake of the planet, we have to deal with it because, you know, the the issues of our day, uh, they require people at their best to solve. Them. The issues of climate change, of global pandemics, of yep. economies yep. of scale, like they require secure leaders. Insecure leaders just make them worse. They create more fear, more yep. panic, more control. So... Um, I, dream of, I dream of consulting to the UN on insecurity as a global subject. That's my big end game.
0: Wow, I love that. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so let's dive in. The seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Tell us more about these. This is, sounds fascinating. I'd love to hear more about them.
1: Well, I, I like Einstein's idea that things should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. Right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, overly simplistic stuff in the personal development space and it doesn't work um, but it doesn't need to be overly complex either it's just simple and hard so my observation around the people who've solved insecurities whether they're aware of it or not in every case these seven things showed up these were right the things that they practiced that, in- right. that enabled them to get free right so practice one is, is to step into the light uh, Yoda says named must your fear be before banish it you can so (laughs) typically people are in the dark they're avoiding they're running they're hiding they're pretending they're blaming yeah covering suppressing covering of course all all of those things so um if if you open google maps and type in a destination that you'd like to go to uh, the only other bit of information google needs from you before giving you that map is where are you now and Often I find, you know, if you, if you don't know where you are now, you can't get there. So often I find people are so focused on where they want to be. They don't like here. They're frustrated about here. They're embarrassed about being here. And so they just avoid here, yep. which means they can never get there. There's never a map because there, there's no clear path. So I think the first part of the practice is to stop running, yep. is to name your foe, is to go. Insecurity is the problem that I'm fighting. It's not... It's not my health. It's not my finances. It's not my relationships. I, you know, people typically try and solve problems where they see the pain. Yep. So they see pain show up on the surface and they think oh, I've got a money problem or a health problem, or a relationship problem. Well, no, what if that's just symptoms of the deeper problem, which is in your own storytelling about yourself? So that willingness to do the self, the self-awareness, turn all the lights on and be here, it's essential. Obviously it, it impacts all other growth if you don't do practice one well then none of the other practices have any value so being clear that your fear is not you're not afraid of failure you're not even afraid of rejection you're afraid of the implications of those things if you were to fail what would that mean about you Uh, now it's personal if you were to be rejected what would that say about you Uh, you know now it's personal so the fear is always our own opinion of ourselves. Yes. And, and naming that as it is means that then you can get on with the work of dealing with that. Great. Uh, so that's practice one. Practice two, when, when someone gets clear that insecurity is their foe, then their next logical question is, well, why am I insecure? Where did that come from? Um, have a guess how people typically answer that question, you think?
0: Oh, um, they probably say get help somehow.
1: Well, they, they want to get help, but when they think about why, so why, why am I feeling bad about myself? Why do I have low self-esteem? Why would I have a, a poor opinion of myself? Right, right. Um, well, I'd they, say people
0: would generally judge external factors as, their, as success or as indicators for these things and say, all right, if that's how I'm feeling, let's try and attain or achieve all these external things. Maybe i feel better, but it's not addressing hey, what's underneath.
1: Yeah, that, that is how they try and solve it. But even when they question why they like this in the first place, because that's a big part of being here. Uh, and typically they imagine they're here as a victim in some way, shape, or form. So I am insecure because, you know, my parents were divorced when I was four and that really hurt me. Or I am insecure because I was bullied all through primary school. No, or I am insecure uh, because they play my the blame dad- game. Of course, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm insecure because of what has been said to me or done to me, or not said or not done to me. It makes sense to reflect back. Oh, yeah, I can understand why I'm insecure because of all the terrible things that have happened. Gotcha, Um, gotcha. But practice too is 100% responsibility because it it turns out that's not true. That's not why anyone is is insecure. We're sense-making creatures. We go into the world and we tell stories about our experience. And so... Life is not about what happens to us. It's about the meaning we place and the things that happen to us. Definitely. So it turns out we're not the actor in the story someone else is writing. We are the storyteller. Definitely.
0: definitely. Oh, there's, a it, there's a great I've phrase. There's a great phrase that says, you play the cards you're dealt.
1: Sure. And and you get to make of them yep. what you will. So Absolutely that's a really important thing because you discover that you were the one that created insecurity. It wasn't created for you. It wasn't when someone said you were no good. It's when they said you were no good, you decided they were telling the truth. Yeah. Because you could have also said they weren't telling the truth. You could have also said they were jealous of you or they were having a bad day or they don't even know you. You decided that they were telling the truth. So therefore you you own that word and it became a curse to you. So the responsibility piece just says you're the one with the power here you created this mess and you're the only one who can fix it, which is cool because then people stop looking outside of them for the solution.
0: Definitely.
1: And for I every one
0: for every one person that says you're this, that, or the other, there's another 10 that might say you're the exact opposite. So just find those 10 if you need to feel better.
1: Well, or not even because even the people who say you're awesome, you still have to decide whether they're telling the truth. And you That's might true. say, someone might say, you're awesome. You might decide, nah, they just want something from me. Yeah. Well, they're just saying that to be nice. So even someone saying you're awesome, that doesn't have the power to make you feel awesome. True. You are the one with all the power. You are the one deciding what's true and what's not true. So it's realizing how much power you actually have in this whole thing. Definitely. And only um, listening you, to yourself,
0: in other words, just you are, you yeah. are, you, yeah, you are out not a all the rest.
1: Yeah. Um, practice three then is to stack the pain. So, only people in a point of pain create lasting change, which is interesting, because um, I love thinking about uh, cigarettes, smoking cigarettes as an example. Um, do you know? Do you know anyone who smokes cigarettes? Have you got any friends or family that?
0: Um, no. Well, yeah, sure. I know people that smoke definitely, but you know. Less and less these it,
1: days, but yeah. Less and less these days. We'd well, think it would be almost impossible to smoke in today's world, but it turns out it's not. There are still plenty of people around the world that smoke. Yeah. And it illustrates this pain example perfectly because it turns out that just because something is killing you doesn't mean you have to pay attention to it killing you. Right. So, of course, we all know smoking's doing bad things. It's only doing bad things to your bank balance and to your physical health. Yeah. But you can ignore that. You can focus on other things. You can focus on the comfort it gives you, the social status it gives you, True. the feeling it gives you. You can focus on that. And yep. you can't focus on everything. So what you pay attention to determines your experience. Yep. So insecurity is exactly, well, So to finish the smoking example, the people who quit smoking are simply the people who pay attention to the cost. Right. And then the cost becomes greater than the reward. And then every cell in their body goes, well, then let's stop because this is not worth it. No matter how addicted they are, it doesn't matter. If the pain is more than the pleasure, you stop. That's how life works. And so insecurity is exactly the same. Most people, insecurity is killing all of us. Uh, unresolved insecurity is leading to madness. That is true, but just because that's true doesn't mean people have to pay attention to that. So if, however, you did pay attention to that and accurately assess the cost of insecurity, you'd be astounded at how much pain you are already carrying yeah and if you lean into that pain you have a very strong motivator to do whatever it takes to change
0: definitely so how much potential for change it's it's, it's it's a source of fuel that would be enormous massive
1: source of fuel and yep. um, that's practice three now the downside of a pain motivation strategy is that it runs out of fuel the moment you move far enough away from that pain anthony robbins calls it the pressure cooker analogy because yeah. it's often how people lose weight they do so from a point of great pain And then great pain drives great action. Great action leads to great change. Great change increases pleasure. So all the pains die down and so has the motivation. Okay. And then then six months later. The fuel's
0: gone. The fuel's
1: gone. Yep. So there's got to be another fuel source, which is pleasure. So it's not just moving away from what and, and what don't you want. It's also what do you want. So practice four is to develop a compelling life vision. You've got to have a quest. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be something burning about what, what it is that you want, what your life is all about. Stephen Covey says, successful people begin with the end in mind and they never lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, this journey kind of mirrors the hero's journey and the hero's always got to have a quest. If Frodo is not compelled to destroy the ring in the lake of fire, why is he risking his neck every day? Like There's no, there's no purpose to his suffering. Yeah. He would just go back to bed. But because he's got this compelling vision, he'll risk everything for the sake of it because it's worth it. So a journey into your fear about yourself is dangerous. It's scary. It's fraught with danger. You've got to have a big driver. And pain will be enough to get the process started, but it won't be enough to sustain the process.
0: Gotcha. So you have to start creating. If you haven't created it before, at least... Well, after starting the process, start creating that vision because that's going to fuel you for the future.
1: Exactly. Tap into desire. Yeah. Um, practice five, as I mentioned before, is to get help from someone who doesn't care about you. So, again, the hero's journey. There's always a, a wisdom character. There's always a Gandalf, a Dumbledore, a Yoda, or a Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Um, and they're not the hero in the story, importantly. They're the guide. Yes, they're the teacher. Uh, they are, and and without the teacher, the hero doesn't know what to do. So there's there is a point for getting help, but it's the right kind of help. Um, I think the great challenge for people in my space, coaches, counselors, psychologists, is not to confuse the world about who the hero is. Right. Because there's lots of people that go into that space because they like to be the hero. They they want to rescue people. They like to give advice. Yeah. Um, they get significance out of that, but that in fact disempowers the hero in the story and is quite cruel. So,
0: I like that. I really like that.
1: It's, it's
0: removing ego and not, and remembering that it's all about the person you're there to serve.
1: 100%. Because you're going to have to get out of the way. Cause again, it's not Mr. Miyagi. who's going to go fight the bully. That's right. It's not Gandalf who's going to destroy the ring. It's Proto. It's Daniel. You know? So <laughs> Indeed. eventually they're going to go have to do what they do. And the, the, the wisdom character is not going to be there. No, so you will need help, but then help will be gone in the in the real moment of crisis, and that's that's the whole point. You created this mess. No one's coming to save you. This exists in your head alone. If it could be solved by someone telling you you're awesome, it would have already been solved. Yep. You know, just go and talk to your mum for a bit and get a hug, and <laughs> you'd be fit. Yep. Or, or open Instagram and read the first three memes, and you're fine. <laughs> how it's fixed. You got to go face the dragon alone. Yep. Um, And you either die or come out the other side reborn. So practice six is go be the hero. Go do what the hero does. Go track this back all the way back to the origin where this started and deconstruct this story until it makes no sense anymore. Discover once and for all, are you enough? Is it true? Are you good? Are you bad? Are you worthy of love or are you not? There's only one way to find out. Yep. Yep. Um, and then practice seven is to rewrite the story. So having come out the other side of that, having slayed the drag and having realised you were always enough, it's then to retell the story, tell a beautiful, enlarging, uh, empowered story. All, all we have is story and people who succeed in life just tell better stories than those who don't. Yep, definitely. Um, I find people want to rush to practice seven and just go, oh, yeah, I get it. I don't want to go back to my past. Can't I just write some affirmations on my mirror and just be positive? Well, you can do whatever you want, it's your life. Uh, but if you haven't deconstructed the old story first and the moment you get tired, that narrative just pops its head out again and takes over as it's always done. Yep. So rewriting the story uh, follows on from deconstructing the old one.
0: Gotcha. And, and I can just imagine, I mean, this is a, a lifelong practice. These seven steps probably are repeated constantly in oh, cycles through your life.
1: Great distinction because if you show up to life unhindered, well, guess what? You take massive steps forward and taking massive steps forward pushes you into new levels of uncertainty yes. and new levels of uncertainty reveal hidden insecurities. So then the process starts again. So you're right, but it's the same process. It's, yes. it's, it's the seven practices for the level of growth that you're at now. Yes. And you'll use them again and again and again to, to make sure you stay unhindered.
0: Definitely, and just just like anything, once you've done something the first time, you can do it a little bit easier, and you're not scared, as scared of it when you do it the second time. Absolutely, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So wow, that's fascinating. And so I mean, obviously, there's no shortcuts here. You know, this is work that has to be done. You can't just take one step out or two steps out of the process and think you're going to change your life. It has to be done properly from one to seven. Yeah.
1: Constantly. yeah I, I, absolutely and there is some hard work involved and it's probably some of the hardest but yet most important work you'll ever do and it's not like the whole world's waiting and watching which is the tension of the hero's story like yeah. the hero's journey if it was easy and laid out in front no one's watching we're watching because there's tension there's watching because the hero could die the hero might fail the hero might not complete the quest that's why we're watching so everyone's watching you everyone's watching me going what's going to happen are they going to give up are they going to shut up are they going to go home are they going to get scared or are they going to find a way to bring their gift to the world so it's high stakes nice
0: and just out of interest i mean just a little interesting um tangent when people are going through this process do Mm. you advocate that they um what's the word verbalize this and become accountable for it externally, or just keep it inside while they're doing it and just get on with it.
1: Um, Well, I think accountability is overrated and I think self-discipline is overrated. I think typically they're the go-to change strategies. Most people use. They're the only tools in the shed, Mm -hmm. but self-discipline requires you to fight against yourself to win. Um, I think this is all about self permission, giving yourself permission to go on this journey. That's a far more beautiful form of motivation right. and accountability. Again, like I tell people, listen, I will never, I, I'm not working harder than you. I don't, my life's fine. I've already worked at how to solve this. So, yep. um, you know, so I'm not holding you accountable. I don't care if you don't do your homework. If you don't want this, me wanting it for you is actually useless yeah. and it becomes part of the problem. So I'm not convinced accountability is is that valuable in this process. It is very much you have to do it because you want to, and if you don't want to, um, something's going to stop in that process. No one can do the work for you. Um, in saying that, it's it, you know we are relational beings, and we do our best work in the context of community, and. There's always journeymen in the hero's journey. So people come alongside and in and out of our lives and get to share part of this and can add value to that process.
0: Wow. Fantastic. I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit more in a minute about how you actually put people through the process. But before we do that, have you got a case study or two, obviously being confidential of Mm. someone that has really made incredible leaps in their life, whether it's personal or professional, I'd love to hear how this fits in.
1: Sure. it happens all the time, so working with someone recently, and there they were um, a a writer, so they are <clears throat> and and a ghostwriter to be to be precise so telling other people's stories a really important gift, but they were struggling to really do that with all their heart and um and had this massive fear of rejection of putting themselves out there and being rejected and so the interesting work around exploring that fear and discovering the the data of where that came from, um leading back to a divorce of their parents were divorced at four, and and in their mind it made sense. You know, I've watched my parents reject each other, I've watched them reject me. Of course, I'm afraid of rejection. That's why I fear this, and it's true for me. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Um that's not what happened at all yes your parents did get divorced but in that moment you had to ask and answer two questions why did this happen and what did it mean about me and you answer those questions personally and when he explored his own storytelling around that why did this happen well clearly i attract i deserve this clearly i brought this on clearly i brought stress and anxiety to my parents life if i wasn't so annoying if i cleaned my room once in a while if i didn't ask for pocket money all the time you know then they'd still be together So what does this mean about me? It means that I hurt the people that I love. I'm dangerous. So it was off the back of that story that then this whole belief structure around rejection emerged, which impacted not just relationships, but health and business and finance and everything. And so resolving that by by journeying back into what appeared to be a very painful traumatic experience turned out to be not that painful or traumatic at all because we weren't going back into the pain of the divorce it was exploring the data of the story that was told around what that meant about him Mm -hmm. and doing the adult work around retelling that story Um, and as a result of that being able to then feel comfortable and relaxed in his own skin and then even seeing the value of his gift to the world realizing that there are people out there with stories to tell and his gift is to draw that story out and the world needs stories the world is built on beautiful stories and so the world is waiting for him to tell their stories and so it's kind of bigger than him and not even about him and so Having solved his insecurity problem, he's free then to serve and bring his gift, yeah. and and does that with great passion and, and energy. So, uh, wonderful watching that process and seeing him find the freedom to go be himself. Yeah. And how long? Did I, I pinch myself. Take- well, so it's I do a six month coaching journey because I think there's some work to be done. It's it's not six years, but it's not six weeks either. So, yeah. okay. there's some work to be done to make sure this is. Uh, Transformational.
0: So, generally, it's six month coaching sessions with you once a week, or is it done via? There's a
1: variety of modalities. So, I deliver most of my content online, or the videos, or the modules, or the reading, or the the stuff. And then it's a high level of personal coaching as a result of those online modules. And then some group stuff. Uh, I've just developed an algorithm for tracking progress. So, yeah. super excited about that because my job is to help people solve insecurity i do that by holding them in these seven practices and i know with a high level of certainty whether or not they're in the pocket simply based on analyzing their language that's the data i'm working on right i used to think it was just my intuition that was telling me whether they were in the pocket or not but that's not true at all um, it's just pattern recognition yeah. so a language betrays their strategies we're running so I've done the work around eliciting all those patterns out of the language build an algorithm so now for the back end of the coaching for each of those seven practices when someone um you know for instance practice two take 100 percent responsibility they jump on the algorithm there's 10 questions they've got to ask as quickly and as honestly as possible they, they give me that data in language and they get numbers back you know so they might get a 6.5 percent average across all those data points and go what that's ridiculous <laughs> but the numbers don't lie yep so, okay. and it reveals a blind spot. They might think they're taking responsibility, but the num the the language shows up evidence of blame, excuse, avoidance, pretending, and so that's great because it turns out you only make lasting change when you're getting eights, nines, and tens. Wow,
0: okay,
1: it's <laughs> a chance for them to reflect. Hang on, you're right. I am avoiding. Yeah. Retake the test, rechange the strategy, and self coach and watch progress as they're going. You know, they they get to see this graft and on numbers, and so. It's tracking what looks like really abstract, untrackable things it's saying no, no it's it's really predictable and scientific actually the people who, who change so wow.
0: fantastic wow so I mean you know obviously you've done a lot of work on that um, over over the past to bring well, an algorithm I, together I
1: have, It feels like my life's work yeah. is represented up in that too so.
0: Outstanding, fantastic. Yeah. fantastic I mean and I can imagine that people that Go through this process, you know, they'll start to already. If they start to see small changes or small benefits in their life, that'll push them further to dive further into it and really commit to what they're doing.
1: Of course, yeah. Progress feels great. You start to notice that you just, the pleasure around this builds. It's like self awareness. Most people link massive pain to self awareness. They go, I could never look beneath the surface. I could never face those dragons. It's too scary. But you open up this space this safe space for self-awareness and people discover something interesting about themselves and it unlocks something they've never known it's like wow that was actually wonderful i wonder and, what else And it I almost becomes
0: discover. addictive I can
1: see. it almost becomes and it does addictive. become addictive. wow i want more of this i want more and because it always leads to more life so you're right the, the, the switch is flicked and there's much pleasure involved in great personal development
0: wow fantastic well i mean you know as i mentioned this stuff is really Um, relevant to every single person, whether they're trying to achieve something personally, whether they're trying to achieve something professionally, you know, understanding yourself and doing the work on yourself is always the first step. It's something that I preach about all the time um, Mm. and uh, blog about and uh, post about all the time. And um, is there anything that, you know, you might want any message or any little uh, insight that you can leave the viewers to help them you know, really start going on that journey? Some people might be on the fence and try, still trying to commit to that journey. Anything that you can leave them to help them make that
1: first step? Sure. Well, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea of suffering. Um, so, so life is suffering. There's, there's plenty of suffering in life that we wouldn't want to avoid even if we could. Yeah. Like you look back over your life and think about the really hard things and, and some of the most meaningful experiences come out of pain and, and hardship, but they cause us to find something really deep and beautiful. Um, so there's suffering that we shouldn't avoid and wouldn't want to avoid, but then there's suffering that we should avoid and can avoid. There's plenty of, yep. plenty of suffering that is entirely unnecessary. Yep. So I think insecurity falls into that category. People suffer needlessly for unresolved insecurity. They get stuck in their head. They pull back from life. They tolerate dysfunctional relationships. They undervalue themselves. Wow. Their health suffers all because they don't know how to deal with the monster in their head telling them they're not good enough. So I think the message is that is unnecessary suffering. There, there is a way not to just manage insecurity, but to resolve that. So um, there, there's, think there's hope. That. Think about that. And, Sorry.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, so in other words, think about that and reflect on that as a driver, as a fuel to help you commit to making real change in your life.
1: Absolutely, there is a way out of this suffering.
0: Yep, love it. So Jamin, fantastic, mate. I mean, what's the best way for people to um, get in touch with you, have a listen to you or look at your videos or read your book, Yeah, podcasts and that kind of thing?
1: Sure, one of the interesting things about the Insecurity Project and my business coach who said it was a horrible idea um, the name insecurity project is quite a masterstroke because I haven't found anyone else in the world who's branded themselves <laughs> that, clearly around that word insecurity. So I'm not very hard to find, you know, someone, someone in Salt Lake city types in how to overcome insecurity. I pop up number one on his search. He realizes I've got a, a podcast. He deep, deep dives and watches 23 episodes and then gives me a call and says, well, let's do some work. Wow. You know, so, so you can find me, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, for that podcast, uh, on the socials. Um, yeah, my, I got a unique name, so that that's an advantage yep. too. People can work at how to spell it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so jaminfraser.com is my website or Google The Insecurity Project and you'll find me without any trouble.
0: Oh, fantastic, Jamin. Well, I mean, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the show today. And I think that was really, really valuable and really interesting for loads of people and i'm hoping that people really heed that message and understand that whatever it is you want to achieve in your life whether it's personal professional that applies to all of us we need to do the work on ourselves first we need to go meta we need to talk about we need to think about our inner dialogue before we can really achieve those things we need and you know being that this is a recruitment or an employment podcast you know it's relevant to everybody that's working as well whether you want to find jobs you find your dream job when you want to get a promotion where you want to have better relationships with your work colleagues whether you want to learn how to manage people better all this stuff is really linked to how to who you are what you're in the dialogue is which drives all your actions and your thinking at work so i think you know this is invaluable for people and i think they'd be really doing them a great service if they go and have a look at your all your stuff and, and your content and i'm sure that we'd all get a lot out from it
1: thank you very much and thank ah, you for the conversation okay. it's been very enjoyable
0: Fantastic, yeah, it's like so thank you very much mate really appreciate it and wish you best of luck in the future no doubt we're going to hear more about, more about you and uh, for all the uh, listeners and viewers out there thanks so much for you know being following the show and uh, we've got loads of stuff coming up for you next but uh, that's the end of this episode and we'll see you very soon Okay. Thanks again, Johnny.